Welcome to the third season of PEBC's Phenomenal Teaching Podcast. My name is Michelle Morris-Jones, and in this season, I'll be sharing conversations with educators and leaders who are making schools and classrooms more phenomenal than ever before by implementing community, planning, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment practices that promote agency, equity, and understanding for each and every learner. I am honored to share these conversations of innovation and passion with all of you. Thank you so much for listening in. The PEBC teaching framework highlights the importance of creating schools and systems that value community and the use of data to foster student agency, equity, and understanding. Today, Molly Robbins is joining the Phenomenal Teaching Podcast to help us think about the ways in which schools can co-create systems of support for students, with students, and by students. Molly has served students and teachers in many ways over the years as an English and an English as a second language teacher, an instructional coach, a staff developer, and currently as the MTSS coordinator at Cherokee Trail High School in Aurora, Colorado. Molly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here and share what we're doing at Ch Cherokee Trail. I am so excited to have you. And you know, this conversation around student support um, right now is so timely. As schools return to a more normal cadence after COVID, one question that has still remained constant is, how can we support all of the students we have with the resources that we have? And I know that all of our listeners are familiar with MTSS or multi-tiered systems of support. And I know that many schools are grappling with what's the process? How can we create opportunities for support for all of our students in our schools, especially with what kids are needing today? And so I'm just really, really excited for you to share your journey and your school's journey with others so that they can consider the systems and structures that they have in place, and then to perhaps envision some new practices that really center students in this work. So Molly, do you mind just jumping in and sharing a little bit about you so our listeners can get to know you and a little bit about Cherokee Trail High School? Of course. Um, I started my career as an English teacher and did some work with teaching English as a second language, mostly to refugee populations. Um, I've worked at alternative high schools. I worked at middle school. I've worked in honors classes. I've worked in intervention class based classes. I've worked in remediation classes. I've kind of done the whole gamut of what you can do as an English teacher. And then I had this really great opportunity to become an instructional coach at my school. And I quickly realized that in my coaching practices, uh, teachers were, were really looking for ways to support students systemically. Um, one of the things that I think creates teacher burnout is we try to do all the things for all kids within our classroom. And so it really came from how to support teachers first. Mm -hmm. And then we move towards how do we support students and how do we create a student-centered approach. So Cherokee Trail is a 3,000 student population school. It's uh, um, it's located in the suburbs of Denver in Aurora, Colorado. And uh, it's a really, really diverse uh, group of 
students. I would say a lot of schools say they're diverse, but really it's only one race. You walk through our halls and we see all races of kids, all kinds of kids. So I think that's the thing that makes us really special and makes our student community um, as engaged as they are and willing to have conversation and willing to jump in to make our school a better place. Wow. So I'm excited to have this conversation because I think you've just painted a picture of a big system. You have a big urban high school, suburban high school, 3,000 kids. I'm envisioning lots and lots of different cultures and languages represented and all the things that come with a big high school, right? You've got all the programs and all the sports and the master schedule and the bells and the buses and the band and all of those components coming together with a focus on student equity and student Mm -hmm. support. And so let's just dive into your MTSS processes at Cherokee Trail High School, the creation of the Cougar Resource Center. And I think it'll be really helpful for our listeners to hear about how did it all begin? Awesome. So the Cougar Resource Center is our peer tutoring center, which I'll get to in just a minute. Um, We started with the idea that the system we had in place wasn't working. Uh, We had a system, it was called guided study, where we assigned students who were failing to work with teachers for a class period. And what we ended up finding is that uh, turns out that students who are struggling in school don't need more time to struggle with other adults. So, Um, We knew that model wasn't working. Teachers were frustrated with it. Kids were frustrated with it. Kids didn't show up. Um, So we just acknowledged it's not working. And then we started doing a lot of research with schools um, that had intervention systems in place that they felt were working. Uh, So I... I have friends from all over the country um, who I reached out to and I was like, what's working at your schools? And we got a big Mm. list of things that were working. And then we went and we visited schools along the front range of Colorado and looked at intervention systems all over the place. And we kind of picked and chose um, what worked and what felt good to us and what didn't really match our vision and mission around creating a student-centered peer tutoring center where kids could come in for help. Um, We talked to a lot of kids around, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're struggling, what what is it that you need? What is it that you want to have? And overwhelmingly, they said, we want a place where we can come in and we can get help and then we can leave. Um, We were really lucky in working with our first group of peer tutors. who were really, really, really committed to creating the school they wanted to be in. They, I mean, overwhelmingly, even now our peer tutors say, I want to make Cherokee Trail a better place. I want to leave a legacy. Um, so I think that's that's really where our bitty baby beginnings came from. That first summer before we developed the Cougar Resource Center, we decided that our sort of guiding word, our mantra would be belonging, that over and above any help that we can offer academically, we want students to feel a sense of belonging and connection when they walk through our doors. And that's really become um, sort of our litmus test for what we throw against the wall and if it works or not. If it creates a sense of belonging for students, 
we keep it. If it feels like it's shaming kids into coming, we figure something else out to bring them in so that they feel supported and they feel connected. Um, It's really for us about doing what's best for kids and not what's easiest for adults. We saw a lot of models that did things to kids because it was easy for adults rather than being supportive of kids and then figuring out the adult piece around that and how we sort of wrap ourselves around kids versus doing things to kids. So Molly, I think, you know, one thing I'm thinking about and that maybe many of our listeners are is just that paradigm shift that schools are systems, right? And there's a huge management component in running schools. We have staff, we have staffing, we have bells, we have classrooms, we have the number of classrooms, we have materials that have to be processed and stored. And so what you just mentioned is a huge change. That shifting to really bringing everything you do in terms of MTSS through that word belonging. Like that seems to me like that's the filter. If it doesn't support belonging, then it's not going to be a part of our process and that we're going to prioritize what kids need over what makes a system easy for the adults. Yes. Okay. Precisely. And I think philosophically um, that was hard at first to sort of convince people. And then as people saw it working and as people, as the adults in the building see it working, we're having more and more adults want to be involved. So they, they see, they see that vision of belonging and how that plays out within the CRC and that we have kids who come in and ask for help. They advocate for themselves and it's really, it's just really beautiful to see. So I think we want to get into kind of some of these details, right? Like what is the CRC? But I think before we kind of got dive right into the Peer Tutoring Center, do you want to orient us just into MTSS in your building? Like what does that kind of look like and sound like in terms of tier one, tier two, three, tier three, kind of all those kind of organizational structures that folks understand? Where does the CRC fit in that? And then let's just dive into what is it? How did you create it? And how's it going? Cool. Um, Well, for us, the tier one is all teachers, all students, um, all the interventions relate to all of our students. So anything that hits the entire student population, um, our PLTs, classroom practices, our counselors meet with Um, all of our students once a year to talk about registration, that kind of thing. Right. So then um, for our tier two, um, in our, we pull F lists every month and we go and start, we meet with student, we have an intervention team that goes out to classrooms and meets with students who have Fs in classes to get them to come to the peer tutoring center. What we found through our data over time was that students with two or less Fs, they can be fully supported in the CRC and they tend to see a great amount of success. And so those are students that we're really targeting around the Cougar Resource Center. Kids with three or more Fs, 
Those are students who have bigger issues. Maybe they have a mental health concern. Maybe they're non-attenders. Um, maybe they have skill gaps. I just had a student who's had three or more Fs all year, um, and his mom requested to have him tested for an IEP, and he ended up qualifying. So now he's he's coming off of that Tier 3 into Tier 2 because he's starting to pass his classes with the extra support that the IEP offered. So um, it's really based around Tier 2 is really CRC, two or less Fs three or more, we're starting to think of that as a community of support that we're building around students. So deans, counseling, and mental health support that would be offered to those students. Wow, thank you. That really helps, I think, contextualize and will help everyone who's listening kind of bridge what you're going to share about the CRC with their own systems and just understanding that triangle and those those different levels of support. Um, I know that at Cherokee Trail, you and your colleagues and your school leaders are 100% asset-based, that for you, everything really does have to pass that litmus test of belonging. And so when you think about the Cougar Resource Center and what you've shared with me and what I know about it is that it is co-created with students, it is for students, and it's staffed by students. So let's just dive right in. Tell us about this amazing place that you've created. Well, yeah, I, I'm really excited to share this. Um, so like you said, it's all student-led. Um, we have really incredible administrative support. Um, I am the, I'm kind of called the director of the CRC to the kids. Um, we have two math teachers who support the CRC. We, we work on a modified block schedule. Um, so one teacher serves one day and on A days and the other teacher serves on B days. So that's a 0.8 FTE um, that we are using towards math. We started with math teachers because math teachers tend to be systems oriented people. And we wanted to get our systems down before we grew it. Um, mm. And which was which, which actually was a great move to make because these people man, they've, they've created some incredible systems for us that I, I don't have the brain for that. I have a visionary brain. I don't have the like day-to-day -day, uh, brain. So it's, it's great to have people, different people with different yeah. kinds of thinking on our team. Um, we have teachers in our building. All teachers have to do a teacher duty. And so what we've done is we've taken everything off their plate so that we use teacher duty to um, help facilitate the peer tutoring center. Um, and then for the tutors, uh, the first year that we were running, we asked for recommendations from staff. And we what we asked for though was not our tippy top students. We asked teachers to identify students who've had some kind of struggle along the way and who've somehow figured out how to move beyond that struggle. So who've shown some kind of academic resilience to be our first peer tutors. They did a phenomenal job recommending students. We started with 50 and we quickly realized we needed more students. And so we sort of did a mad scramble that first year and ended up with 65. This year we have 83 students and we've moved for our recruitment towards a model where the students recruit other students. Um, and then math teachers put in a few recommendations of students they think would be good um, because our students know best. 
uh, what we're looking for because they're the ones doing the job. They're the ones doing the heavy lifting. So our model is, like I said earlier, it's created around a sense of belonging. That first year, the kids created our mission statement, which is to create a sense of belonging where students feel comfortable asking for and receiving support. So what we're really talking about is creating a system where students feel good about advocating for themselves. Students feel good about walking through a threshold and saying, hey, I have some things to work on and I think I might need some help with this. And then we hook them in with a tutor. What's interesting about that is the relationship between agency and ownership. Mm-hmm. which are skills I think that we all wish we had a better handle on even as adults is how do I advocate for what I need? And then that ownership piece of how do I, you said like, how do I ask for, but then also accept help. But then if I'm a tutor, in what ways can I give so much of myself to this work that I'm benefiting my peers? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think, you know, the agency piece is not to be underestimated, right? Oh. I think we've all worked with students who we know they need help and they just won't flip and come to the water to drink it, right? So, <laughs> you know, that that sense of I'm going to come halfway and I'm going to acknowledge this and I'm actually going to feel open enough to receive it. Um, and I think, you know, that's the magic of peer tutors versus adults, I was going to say like that, like you just said magic. I was like, okay, so here is like, this is the underpinning is that kids, students are engaged with other students. And so then that becomes that reciprocal relationship rather than that hierarchy relationship of kids coming to get fixed or helped from adults. Mm-hmm. And okay. I think kids recognize that, right? Like it doesn't feel good to say like, you have some things you need to fix or you need to be fixed or you're not good enough or, mm. um, you know, we really, really, and you, you touched on this earlier. We really try to work from an asset based approach. And so what we tell our, our, our peer tutors in training is your primary job is to help students get unstuck. They're Mm -hmm. stuck for some reason. They don't have a character flaw. They're not stupid. They're smart people. They're just a little stuck. And so our primary job is to unstuck our friends. Um, And I think kids really respond to that in a way that like, it's like, I mean, it really fits into resilience and growth mindset and on all those things in practice um, where students start to see that. We have a couple peer tutors who um, I was actually talking to one of the math teachers yesterday about one of our peer tutors is having some struggle right now. And she talked to this peer tutor and she's like, look, you're so good at helping kids. Now it's time for you to receive it. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. It was, yeah. And this kid was like, oh, you're right. You're right. Okay, let's do this. And so now she's kind of diving in. So, I mean, it's pretty cool to see the agency that, I mean, so one of the things that we sort of profess is um, the adults in the room mm-hmm. are really there just kind of as warm bodies, really. Um, we're there to support the peer tutors. The peer tutors are there really to support the students. 
And so any adult that's in that room, you know, my preference is that I'm not the one teaching, that I'm supporting peer tutors to do their best work. Wow. Okay. So then help us like, think about that. What are the scaffolds? Like you already mentioned kind of your kind of recruitment process for bringing in peer tutors. You mentioned how the peer tutors were instrumental in creating the the mission statement for the Cougar Resource Center. So what does it look like and sound like to be a peer tutor? How do you grow their skill sets and their dispositions? What does that look like? Lots of coaching. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really kind of a peer coaching model um, is what we're moving towards. But we have uh, two weeks at the beginning of every semester because, you know, students typically the first two weeks of a semester, they're just getting rolling. So it's a good time for us to do training for our peer tutors. So we shut down for two weeks and we train our peer tutors over that two weeks. We do a lot, a ton of team building. Um, that's first and foremost, because if we're going to profess to create a sense of belonging, we need to feel that with each other first. We need mm-hmm. to feel a great sense of belonging to one another and be a, being able to ask for help from one another when we feel stuck on a problem. So I think that's, you know, we, we do that with the students who come through, but we also do that and profess that with our peer tutors. So we do a lot of team building. And then because we have so many students coming in for math help, for algebra and geometry and algebra two help, uh, the math teachers have them uh, work through problems and make sure they're understanding what concepts are coming up. We also work on like, how do you help a student writer? What are some things you might look for in a piece of student writing? And that's actually something that we're hoping to develop a little more around. And then um, we have them do a fishbowl tutoring center uh, or tutoring session where they sit and they tutor one of their peer tutor colleagues. And then we sort of take notes and we coach them around what went well and what challenges they had and try to help them problem solve. So that's the first two weeks of every semester. And then what we try to do is at least once a month, we scoop them all together to see how things are going, see where they're having challenges, and then work together to try to um, work around those challenges and try to problem solve with the students. They're really, really good about coming to us with solutions-based problems that they're having. They always come with a solution, which is really incredible to me. I always tell students who are new to coming to the CRC that like, it's completely kid developed. Like everything we do well in there was developed by students. Um, so the math teachers, whenever there's a new unit coming up in any of those three classes, they work through problems with this, with um, the peer tutors, the teachers do, um, to make sure that they understand what's coming up and to clean up any misconceptions or struggles they're having with concepts. Um, so we used to do where we would just shut down once a month um, to do train like a one day training with our peer tutors. But what we found is now we're so busy, we're not able to just shut down like that anymore. So we're, we're doing it more on the fly and sort of coaching student or peer tutors. All right. So Molly, you have really shared with us this incredible support system for your peer tutors. 
like careful identification, engagement and commitment to the mission, a two-week training period, fishbowls, you have a teacher who has that eye towards organization, you have extra duty teachers who are there to support the peer tutors if they need it. So let's shift and talk a little bit about your client experience. What is it like for the kids who come to the tutoring center? First of all, are they excited to be there? How do they make their way to the tutoring, to the resource center? I'm sorry. And what does it look and sound like to actually be in that space on a day-to-day basis? All great questions. It's pretty loud in there. I'm not going to lie. Like when it's rocking, it is rocking. It's, it's, there's joy, there's laughter, there's like the sense of like, there's heavy duty lifting of thinking going on. I mean, it's just, it's every time I walk in there, if you want to feel inspired, you walk into our peer tutoring center. It's just absolutely amazing. Um, so for our students, there's there's two ways they might come into the peer tutoring center or to the Cougar Resource Center. The first way is they might decide they need help with a concept in a class. No matter what the class is, they walk in, they say, I'm here to work on chemistry, for instance. We get a lot of chemistry kids. And the person at the check-in table will say something like, all right, cool. Who's your teacher? because that gives us an indication of what they're working on um, and which class is it. And then the check-in person walks over and gets them a peer tutor and the peer tutor comes over and introduces themselves. And then they sit down together and they look at where the student is, have the student work through whatever the problem is and explain it. And then that point of um, being stuck. And then the peer tutor works to, you know, really coach them through. We try to, as much as we can, we try to use a Socratic method with our students who walk through. Um, And then, you know, usually it's something with a formula or some kind of misunderstanding or misconception. And so the peer tutor will then work closely with that student around that misconception. One of the things we really tell our peer tutors is sometimes it's really, really, really hard for kids to come in and admit that they need help on something. Mm. And so that's where that sense of belonging comes in. So if a student seems kind of apprehensive about coming in at first, Ask them about their sweatshirt. Ask them about if they play a sport, what they're involved in at CT. And for some students, that might be as far as you get the first time. And that's okay. Because those students will feel that sense of belonging and will come back. So the other way, other than drop in for any class during the school day, they can come in during their off period. We also have that F list that I referred to earlier. And we have an, an, a really phenomenal intervention team, and we watch the kids that are on that F list. And we look at kids who have two or less Fs. We go and have a conversation with them. Hey, you're really struggling in blah, blah, blah class. Um, let's make a plan together. Let's, let's figure out together how you're going to offer yourself some support and hopefully get you into the CRC so that you can also get support from peers. Uh, Most students are really, really open to doing that. Um, Sometimes uh, it can be hard to get them in, so we'll just walk them down and show them how it works. We always say, 
once you're in the peer tutoring center, once you're in the CRC, like you can't help but love it. You can't mm. help but want to be a part of it. So for those students, we talk one-on-one with them. And then once we talk with them, we send an email to their parents and to their core teachers, to their counselor, and to the mental health professional assigned to their alphabet um, so that everyone is in that loop, so that we're really creating that community of support. And then those students come in and they check in like every other student does. So we don't, the students don't know the difference between students who've been recommended and students who come in for drop-in, which I think is another really important piece to that. Um, So they check in, we have a list that we keep of students who've checked in. I send emails home from the CRC every Monday and Friday. Monday's email is, hey, your student's been recommended to come into the CRC. Please have a conversation with them to come in. And then we do like a quick tip. So this week's quick tip is we're about to go on spring break. A lot of teachers are doing unit exams or big projects. So please talk to your student and see if they need extra support. And if they do send them to the CRC. Um, So that's the Monday email. Friday emails, I send congratulations emails to the parents of any student who walks through our doors. Mm -hmm. So tomorrow I'll I'll be pulling that list. Um, of all the kids who've come through all this week and they are, their parents will get congratulations letters. And then if you're a student who's been recommended, but you did not come in this week, you'll get sort of a, your child has not made it in this week. We'd Just love so to see him next week. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's, that's sort of the behind the scenes. And then as far as the student experience goes, um, we have one student who actually I talked to his mom last week. She's like, yeah, it took him about four weeks before he decided that the CRC was okay with him. You know, he'd come in with his little crew of boys and hang out and just sort of watch what was going on and sort of halfway do some work. And then, you know, I, I had called her last week. I was like, I think it's time for him to work with a tutor. She was like, I think you're right. Let's push him around that. And so we've hooked him in with a tutor now, and he's really, really happy to be in there. And I just talked to him yesterday, and he was like, yeah, I love this tutor. Like, she's really helping me, and everything is starting to make sense for me. And I wish I would have done this sooner, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is great. This Mm -hmm. is what I love about what I do. Well, what's interesting, and what I'm thinking about in terms of systems and schools and structures is correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels in many ways informal to the, with structure, like how I, like how we all picture high school kids to be like, they're coming in, they're being themselves. Like you said, it's kind of loud in there. It's a little bit rowdy. Kids are interacting. Is there like, if you come in, do you need to stay the whole period before you go back into the hallway? Are there like, things that have to get done. Like you mentioned how this one student had come for a couple of weeks, but didn't actually engage with the tutor. So kind of work is around this flexibility piece, because I know sometimes that's really hard in secondary settings for teachers to make that shift and for school leaders. And it sounds to me like this is a a little more fluid, perhaps, in some school structures we might see or be used to. Yeah, it's a lot more fluid, which I okay. know makes administrators really, really nervous. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, we really have a come as you are approach. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you can't feel a sense of belonging if you're not coming as who you authentically are. So I think that's first and foremost. Um, and then I also think like, you know, there's an element of, you know, letting go of our control a little bit. Like mm-hmm. when we have kids stay in a room for an entire period, whether they feel they need it or not, that's exerting a sense of control and compliance. And that's just not what we're about. So students can come in, they can come and go as they please into the CRC. Um, We track who's coming in and who's leaving and when. Um, They come in during their off periods. So that time is there, that is their time. It's not ours ours to own. And we're finding great success with that. Um, We were just going through um, some of our students who've been on our list all semester, and we're seeing tremendous growth. I actually, just before we got on here, I was talking to three of my students who I'm tracking who have all A's and B's now. And it's it's celebration. Yeah. So, you know, I, I track them all semester and I talk to them constantly about what's happening and making plans and, you know, supporting them. But then I also feel like the celebrations are really important to have with them. Like, hey, sis, you did this thing. You're rocking it. And, you know, congrats. Let's just sit in that for a minute. You've worked really hard around this. So I think we're seeing great success with the flexibility because it speaks to teenagers. I mean, we all have that rebellious streak where we're like, (laughs) if someone tells me to be somewhere at X time and I have to just sit there and get my stuff done, like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to rebel against that till no one's end, right? So really thinking about, you know, developmentally what students need and what actually works and and forcing them to do something. And at least at our school, we found that's it doesn't work. The other thing I really love about what we're doing is that any kid can access it. It's not just kids who are struggling. So it takes some of that stigma off of having this place because you'll see kids who are in calc in there and kids who are working on algebra sitting right next to each other. And so I think that that openness and that fluidity takes some of the stigma out of the Cougar Resource Center. Absolutely. And so let's just go right to kind of data, numbers, results. You just mentioned that a couple of the students that you're supporting this semester have shown some great growth in terms of their grades and it sounds like their agency and their confidence and their commitment. So what? how many kids are we talking? Like you mentioned earlier, Cherokee Trail has 3,000 kids. You have 85 peer tutors. You're in a modified block kind of schedule. So give us the numbers. What's going on? So first semester, we had over 3,000 student check-ins, which is phenomenal. Yeah, it's like amazing. <laughs> Um, so far this quarter and the quarter is almost over, we've had over 1500 student check-ins. Wow. So we'll probably beat what we did, um, first semester once second semester is over. Um, that very first year, we were excited if we got three kids in during a day, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, like when we very first have it, we're like, woo, we got a kid. Yeah. Um, now I think two days ago we had to over 200 student check-ins. Oh, yeah, so incredible. yeah, we have great numbers and, and families love it. Kids love it. It's just a good 
good place to be. So we are talking a lot, you know, today about how the Cougar Resource Center is one process, one process if you will, in your MTSS structures and systems of support. What about kids who need a little bit more help? Yeah, so we have deans. Or a little more support, I should say. I'm sorry. Yeah, a little more support. Mm -hmm. Um, We have deans who work with attendance issue kits and who work with discipline students. We have a phenomenal special ed department who work with kids very, very closely. And we also have counselors. We have 10 counselors who work with students. And then we also have um, four mental health staff who are, who their, their job is to support student mental health. Wow. So you really have considered all levels of that MTSS structure and have really, it sounds like you've been really thoughtful in providing quote unquote interventions that meet the needs of all kids that are supporting your entire student community. That's our hope. Now, one of the things that we found is now that we have the CRC up and running, um, we used to move directly from a tier one to a tier three one-on-one support. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we have this like true tier two academic support. And what we're finding is that's uncovering the fact that we're struggling with providing really powerful tier two supports for behavioral supports and mental Mm. health supports. And so that's where um, our work is right now. I think with mental health, we tend to do tier one, tier three. We don't really have a robust tier two system yet. That's what, that's what our next, our next iteration will be is developing that tier two with our counselors, mental health and deans. Wow. I mean, it it sounds amazing. And the thoughtfulness in which you have planned and implemented and revised and been flexible, but then also continue to be learners and synthesizers and growers to meet the needs, all of the needs, social, academic, and emotional needs of your kids is, is so inspirational. So as we wrap up today, Molly, what is your, I know you're an English teacher, so you love this. What is your call to action? What do you hope that or aspire for other educators to think about today? I mean, two things, really. I think um, listen to your students. Like, just take a moment and ask them because they, those sweet babes have wisdom beyond what I ever believed they had. So ask them what they need. Ask them what it would look like for them. Um, I mean, our students really just said, I just want to ask my friends for help. And, and so that's what we created. You're asking your peers for help. You're asking your peers to help you get unstuck. And then the other thing that I would say, I tell a lot of teachers that I coach, um, we tend in education to overcomplicate things because it makes us feel good or it makes us feel like we're checking a box. And I would say simplify. When you have the tendency to exert some kind of control because through um, overcomplicating things, take a step back and ask yourself what's really happening there and think about simplifying it. I, I would argue, you know, because of the fluidity we've created it in the CRC, it's actually a really simple system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just sort of peel away at that onion to uncomplicate what we're doing um, for kids, with kids. 
Molly, thank you so much. Thank you. This has been just such an inspirational conversation. And I really, really appreciate your time and just sharing your heart and your mind and your hands, all the work that you've done with others. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening in. The Phenomenal Teaching Podcast is brought to you by PEBC, Public Education and Business Coalition, and is intended to elevate the strands of the PEBC teaching framework, which is illustrated in Wendy Wardhofer's book, Phenomenal Teaching. PEBC is headquartered in Denver, Colorado, but works both locally and nationally to cultivate agency, equity, and understanding for each and every learner. PEBC provides customized on-site professional development and coaching for schools and districts, facilitates a variety of institutes and seminars, and offers an array of online learning experiences for all educators. We also prepare new teachers via the PEBC Teacher Residency Program. Check us out at pebc.org. 